Hey, how about that offering song? What about that? You know, it was an awesome song. I don't know if you heard the lyrics to that. It's kind of upbeat, so it's kind of hard to hear uh, every nuance of the lyrics uh, a little bit. But I'm, I'm not sure if you caught all those words. But the heartbeat of that song is that, you know, when we think about the Christmas season, Jesus could have come in a lot of different ways, couldn't he have? He, he's the God of the universe. He's the King of kings and Lord of the lords. He, could, he can do whatever he wants. Jesus could have come in a lot of different ways. And what the song that they just sang was about is that uh, some of the lyrics were, he could have come like a mighty storm, right? We've all been in Iowa blizzards, right? He could have come like a mighty storm. He could have come with all the strength of a hurricane. He could have come like a forest fire with the, with the power of heaven in his flame. And then it says, no, 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 but he came like a winter snow. He came like a winter snow, quiet, soft, and slow to the earth Below. Of all the ways that God could have chose to enter into our lives this Christmas season, we celebrate that the God who holds all things together chose to be born as an infant and to be held. The God who holds all things chose to be born and to be held, to be held by an ordinary teenage girl from an obscure town called Bethlehem. And when you think about it, when you think about that story, nothing could be more unconventional. Unconventional. I love that word. Say unconventional. Unconventional. We're going to be saying that a lot today. It's a word that means something out of the ordinary, or as one of the dictionary's uh, descriptions said it this way, unconventional things are out of the ordinary, extraordinary, are out of the ordinary in a way that attracts attention so as to bring about a response, to attract attention in a way as to bring about a response. And now I don't think anybody could examine the Christmas story and and not say, that is a truly unconventional story. I mean, God didn't come with a big palace or with armies of power and might. He picks an obscure peasant Girl, In fact, this young girl, Mary, that we heard read about in our scripture today, they estimate was probably about 14, 15, 16 years old. So mothers out there, you can imagine how much you knew about parenting when you were 15, right? This is is an unconventional story. And God chose to put his son, the God of the universe, inside of an ordinary peasant girl. God didn't come to be born in a nice, luxurious hotel, but in a manger with barn animals. And who does he invite to come and worship in this unconventional story? Would it be the elite and the wealthy and the powerful? No. He chooses, above all people, shepherd boys. We think of the shepherds as like grown men with big beards. I was kind of going with the shepherd look these days with my beard. Um, we tend to think they're these grown men, right, that, 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 that are like professional sheep herders. These are, many times, shepherds were young boys. This is where they got their start. This is where King David got his start as a shepherd boy. God says, these are the people that I want to come and worship the Christ child. Nothing in this story is conventional. And then we look at it and we say, okay, if this story is so unconventional, what about it causes us to have a response, right? Unconventional things call for a response. What is it about this story that calls us not to just be spectators, to to look at the the nice, peaceful, gentle manger scene, or to look at this story and say, oh, is that why Jesus came from heaven to earth so that we could go, oh, 
Something about this story is deeper. What do we do with the Christmas story? And what I believe that we'll find today is that nothing could be more relevant to our lives right now here today than the Christmas story. Because for many of us, life is anything but extraordinary or extraordinary. Life is pretty much ordinary sometimes, right? Does anybody else feel that or is that just me? Life is just kind of, huh, it's just kind of mundane sometimes. It can become very routine. It can become very ordinary. For most of us, it's, not, it's, it's easy for us to kind of settle into our routines. Like here I live in Des Moines, Iowa, and it's a nice place. It's a good place to raise a family, good place to send your kids to school. Well, we're excited. We just got married. You know, we're kind of settling into our home, and we have our nice little lives here in our nice little town of Des Moines, and it's, it's, we have our, our ordinary neighbors, and we get up, and we say hi to them, and we have our ordinary morning routine uh, we brush our teeth in a certain way uh, every single morning and we drop off the kids and we grab our, our, our regular brew of coffee just the way that we like it and we go into our routines and then we go to work and we do it all over again and that's it. Right? And that's about it. And we think, well, there's some bright spots, there's some ups and downs, there's some things to look forward to, there's some bright spots, but they're not the norm. And there's some things to look forward to and they're called weekends. Maybe a bit of an exaggeration, but if we're not careful, we can slip into this line of thinking that, well, this is just kind of the way things are around here. You kind of say it with a little Western accent, too. That's the way things are around here, right? But we tend to think that in our lives, and if we're not careful, worse, we start to think that way about our spiritual lives as well. We say, oh, I know what this God is like. I grew up in the church. I've been to Bible studies. I went to Sunday school. I go to worship every single week. I think I've got this God figured out, right? We celebrate Christmas. We go through the motions. That's just what we do. I go to worship. I, I do my small group, and hopefully I'll be a good person. And if I'm a good person, well, then I'll make it into heaven someday. And that's it. That is unless there's something called Christmas that changes everything. That would be it. That would be all there is to life unless the God of this Christmas story is unconventional, is out of the ordinary. And that hasn't stopped 2,000 years ago with a baby in a manger. So I don't know about you, but if you've ever felt like life is maybe just something to get through, God, just get me through another week. If you've ever felt that God has maybe become a little bit predictable, if your relationship with God feels a little bit stagnant or predictable or stuck, then maybe it's time to take a closer look at the Christmas story, this old, old story, one more time and discover what happens today, but we're going to discover what happens when an ordinary girl meets an unconventional God. So you ready to dig into this? Let's, are you ready to dig into this? Yeah. All right. I want to make sure you're awake. Luke chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles. Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke likes to get right along with the story, and so here we are, and we read this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, remember Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist, right? Okay, so Mary and uh, Elizabeth are 
pregnant at the same time, okay? So they are, Elizabeth's carrying John, Mary's carrying Jesus. So uh, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. So they were, uh, had arranged marriages. So Mary was arranged to marry Joseph. They didn't go on dates and go to the movies and decide, hey, we should get married and have the Son of God together, okay? Um, it was arranged. That's how things were in that day. So, uh, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, stop there for a second. It doesn't get more ordinary than this. If you think, I don't really know if I can identify with the story because like Mary and she's holy and like the whole Catholic church, you know, and they pray to her and she's like this saint that there's statues. That's not me. I'm pretty ordinary. If you look back in Mary's story, her life was pretty ordinary as well. Here's Mary. She's, she's going along with her simple life in, in Nazareth, uh, this, this little bitty town that's, that's up in northern Israel, barely on the map. Right? I grew up in Story City, which is like an hour north of here. There's some towns around there that if you blink, you're going to miss them. Right? The greatest thing that some of those towns have is a pot machine on Main Street. Okay? You got a post office and a pot machine. That's probably what Nazareth had. Maybe a Casey's, because they're everywhere, right? So Nazareth maybe had a Casey's and you could get pizza. But that's about it. Pretty ordinary, right? So she's going along and Mary is living her ordinary life as a follower of, of Yahweh, of, of, of God. And, and maybe she's too decided, you know, been a while since God showed up. I've read the stories of when God used to show up to Abraham and Moses and Joshua and David, and all these great Bible heroes. And here's Mary, this ordinary peasant girl going, yeah, it's been 400 years of silence. What is God up to. And maybe, just like you and I do sometimes, maybe Mary's thinking to herself, ah, this is just the way things are. I think, well, I think I pretty much got God figured out, but all that changed one day when an angel of the Lord breaks in. Verse 28. This angel shows up, and, and just think for a second, please do me a favor. When you think of angels in the Bible, please don't think of Cabbage Patch dolls, okay? Don't think of chubby babies with wings, okay? Whenever angels show up in the Bible, people freak out, okay? Like they fall face down because it's so overwhelming. Angels in the Bible are warriors, right? There's various stories in the Bible where angels wipe out thousands of armies that are fighting against God's armies it, by themselves, Okay? These are forces to be reckoned with. These are God's warriors. These are people that are a little intimidating. Okay? And so we go on. Verse 28. The angel went to her and said, this is a, actually a nicer angel. Uh, Greetings. He's not going to kill anybody right now. He says to Mary, greetings. Listen to this. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I think that's a little bit soft on the story. If I was Mary, I'd be like, holy cow! Hmm, I wonder what this greeting might be. I don't know about that. Um, now let's read this together. Uh, this is what the angel responds to Mary. Let's read this together. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. This is far, far from ordinary for Mary. I mean, doesn't, she's got to be thinking, and maybe you think too, doesn't God just show up to important people? Doesn't God just show up to those people that become great heroes and, and great leaders? Not lowly peasant girls, the bottom rung of society. 
but it's to this nobody that God chooses to send one of his important messages. I'm coming. I'm coming for you, God says. And whenever God breaks into our lives, we know that throughout scripture and in our lives, whenever God breaks in, it's always for a purpose. It's always for a purpose of calling us out of the ordinary and into his story. All throughout scripture we see this because God had a calling on Mary's life that was far bigger than she could have ever imagined. And now you may have heard this before, and and trust me, I don't want this to be one more sermon where the pastor said, God has a calling on your life. God has a purpose on your life, and it's your job to go figure it out. Good luck. And it's like a big game of hide and go seek. That's not the kind of God that we're talking about here this morning. And you may have heard that said before. God has a call on your life as well. God has a call on your life to move you out of ordinary and to be an integral part of his story. And and I know you might hear that and all you can think of, well, yeah, callings are good, but those are for really important people like missionaries and doctors and great teachers and philosophers, right? The great leaders who will do great things. Getting a, a calling, a life calling, that's not for me. That's not for regular old me. I'm just trying to pay the bills and keep my house clean let alone have a calling. I suppose that's just the way things are. And I would imagine that Mary thought that as well. But I have a feeling that if Mary, as a 15-year-old girl, was standing here today, she would look every single one of us in the eyes and say, oh, you have so underestimated this God. You have so underestimated who you're talking about here. I mean, Mary would say, I was none of those things. I was none of those things when I was called. In fact, when I, when I think of it, come to think of it, neither were all most of the major characters in that book that you're holding in your hands this morning. The Bible is not a, a book of heroes. The Bible is a book of ordinary people who made themselves available to be used by God. That's why we can see ourselves in it. I can't think of anybody that God used in a significant way throughout scripture that were (laughs) pre-qualified, that had their resumes in line, that had already arrived, that would be the usual suspects. That's not who we're talking about here. Think about it for a second. Think about the story leading up to Mary. God's story leading up. Abraham was an old, tired, gray-haired man who was ready to kick it into retirement and go hit the sailboat in the golf course, right? And God says... By the way, Abraham, in your old age, you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to be the father of my people. Oh, Moses. Think about Moses was a a murderer. Moses had anger issues and not one ounce of speaking ability. Okay? He failed public speaking in college. And God says, oh yeah, by the way, you're going to be my delegate to Pharaoh. Oh, David. King David, but then as a small boy, as a shepherd boy, was the smallest of all his brothers, the least likely candidate to do anything significant in his life, and he becomes the king of Israel, and he defeats the giant Goliath. This story of God over and over and over again is the work of an unconventional God. This is how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 26. He says this, brothers and sisters, now just think of yourself, put yourself here. 
Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And then it ends with verse 28. Let's read this together. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Just soak in that for a second. Just let that sink in. Either this morning that's going to be a nice inspirational saying for you, (laughs) or it might just be that God wants to come to you this morning, look you in the eyes, (laughs) grab you by the shoulders, and say, never, never, doubt what I can do through you. Never doubt that. God says, I am in the business of invading people's lives and reminding them, I have a calling on your life, just like I did Mary's. In fact, notice Mary's response to his call. Back to Luke, verse 38. This is Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant, I would still be freaking out, shaking on the ground, but Mary has some composure here. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Now, think about this for a second. At this point in the story, is Mary 100% confident? No. It even says that she was troubled. She was questioning these things. Is she totally without any fear or anxiety? Absolutely not. But in her response to the angel, she shows the first step in understanding God's call on our lives. Be available. Be available. She simply says, I'm in. (laughs) To paraphrase it, Mary says, if God's in it, I can trust him. I trust that God can use me just as I am here today. And all I can do is say, God, I'm available. I am your servant. To say, God, use me right here, right now. What if our response was the same? What if your response was the same? What, maybe it's time for you to kind of rethink what calling might be in your life to let this unconventional God invade your ordinary life. What might a calling look like? Well, I know for one, in fact, it's hard not to turn on the TV these days or to open up the newspaper without noticing uh, someone that is in a high-profile position that believe God has called them to, be a, to a very specific purpose, and he just happens to be an NFL quarterback, and his name's Tim Tebow. I don't know, has anybody heard of Tim Tebow? Okay, maybe you're sick of hearing about him, but too bad. Um, so it just so happens that Tim is a quarterback for the Denver Broncos, used to play for the University of Florida. Any Broncos fans? Okay. <laughs> I love you guys. Um, and the Broncos have won six straight games, okay? And if they win today, I think they play today, yeah. If they win today, that'll be their seventh. And it's like some big like omen out there because John Elway was number seven and he used to play for the Broncos and they'll win seven. It'll be like, ooh, right? Okay. Um, so Tim, he's been one of the biggest sports stories of the year, and it's not just because they've won six in a row, or he's this big star. It happens to be because Tim is also a faithful follower and believer in Jesus Christ. 
And he expresses his faith very openly in an atmosphere when you think about it, when you think about a place that is conducive to living out your Christian faith and living uh, strong values and morals of the Christian life, is the NFL the first place you think of? Probably not, right? But that's what he's doing. That's God's call on his life. And now I know there's lots of different opinions out there about Tebow, including I have some opinions about him, especially after last week's game, because I'm a Bears fan. Okay. I don't understand how God could allow one Christian man, I get it, I root for Tim Tebow, that's great, but I don't get how God could allow one Christian man and have his team defeat the Bears, who is his own team. It's God's team. So this was like a dilemma. God's like, what do I do? It's like Tim Tebow and the Bears are my team. I just, I'm confused. No, God doesn't get confused. But um, as it turns out, this unconventional God got a hold of Tim Tebow at a very young age. And he learned early on, he learned very early on, that what happens off the field is way more important than what happens on the field. That, that all those things of fame and fortune and all the things that come with being a celebrity, I mean, you can imagine what temptations are out there. He learned very early on that he has a higher calling. God had a calling on his life as well. And I want you to take a look and a listen to this recent interview that he gave. And then there's some footage following it that he was mic'd up during the game last week against the Bears. It's hard for me to watch because they lost, but just grin and bear it. Uh, there's, a, there's a deeper meaning here. So I want you to read between the lines and I want you to listen to Tim's heart and what he believes his calling is. Let's take a look. Did you get the sense that this is way bigger than football? This isn't about Tim Tebow. Ooh, he's a great professional athlete. This is way bigger than football. Did you get the sense there is a calling on his life that is deeper than what he does for a living? Do you get the sense that maybe our callings are deeper than what we might do from nine to five? Or maybe for Tim, those things that make the highlight real that we see on SportsCenter? You heard him say it in the interview. I believe that God has given me a platform. God has given me a unique platform to live out my faith. And that just happens to be football. But that's not the way it is for all of us. And he says, but I live out my calling when I live my life in a way that causes others to ask about it. I read, I read further on, and in that interview, it, Tim says, what, what, I, I love to encourage and love and be a leader on this team in such a way that when other players on the team, when their lives are falling apart, when they're going through crisis or transition in their lives, who, who do you think they're going to come to on the Broncos? The guy that had his arm around him. The guy that drops the game-winning pass. And you know what, Tim, speaking into him, maybe life isn't about touchdowns. Maybe at the end of the day, when Tim gets to the end of his life, people aren't going to say, oh, remember that one guy that dropped that pass? That guy's going to come back to him and say, you know that day when I dropped the game-winning pass against the Bears and you put your arm around me? That made all the difference because you believed in me. Who knows if that guy believes or not? But I know who he's going to come to when he's having a rough day. His leader. His captain. Yeah, okay, that's wonderful, John. Great, you see, but Tim is a professional football player, right? What about me? Well, I'll tell you what about you. You're you. <laughs> 
I've said it once and I'll say it again. You are the only you we have. So be you because nobody else can be you. We need you to be you. And if you're feeling a bit ordinary, if you're feeling a bit stuck in your mundane life, or maybe today you are feeling so far away from God that you don't think you can ever be used. Well, I've got news for you. Let's turn back to Luke, verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. What a powerful statement to hear from anyone, let alone an angel, right? The Lord is with you. You who are highly favored. Do you believe that about yourself today? Or is this just a little fun, little story about Mary? Do you believe that today? Do you believe that when God looks at you, he takes great favor in you? That he takes great delight in you? Do you believe today that the one who created you and knows everything about you is absolutely stoked about your life? He is enthralled with you. He is madly and madly in love with you. And because of that, because he loves you so much, he refuses to leave you that way. He refuses to leave you in an ordinary life. And he says, I created you for much more than just getting by, than just making it through. And when it comes to us with this story of Mary today, I think God says to us, man, that was so much more than a one-time deal. Look around you, and just like Tim saw, I want to encourage you, look around you today. What is the platform that God has given you? What is the, plat the unique platform that God has given you? And in that, you might start to find your calling. What if a part of your calling today is to be that friend, is to be that friend that everybody loves to be around because whenever you're around, whenever people are around you, you just breathe, you just ooze joy. And you just ooze life. Bringing life, speaking life into another person, in another person's life, that's not ordinary. What if a part of your calling, what if a part of the great adventure that your heart has always longed for is not found in some great escapade across the world? What if the adventure that God has created for you in your life is exploring the hearts, is exploring the depths of the hearts of those that live under your own roof and investing in them with the very best of who you are. Who gets the best of you? Nine to five or your kids? Who gets the best of you? Being a family man or a family woman is anything but ordinary. What if a part of your calling what if you believe that, that raising a family as a godly mother or father was a high and noble calling that gives you an incredible opportunity to raise the next generation of leaders, the next generation of men and women of God? Being a godly parent is anything but ordinary. How about this one? What if instead of coasting into retirement, you believe that your next five to ten years we're going to be the most impactful years of your life for making an impact on the kingdom of God. Moving from success to significance is anything but ordinary. 
At what point did you start believing the voices? At what point did you start believing the lies around you that says you were created to live small? When did you start believing that and start living that way? You were not created to live small. Yes, for some people, you got to understand their callings will, will take them to the mountaintop. Their calling will take them to high-profile uh, positions or, or even professional ministry or, or to be famous. But to be great in the kingdom of God, you got to understand, truly great things happen most of the time behind the scenes, don't they? Look all throughout scripture. Where are the great things in the kingdom of God happening where you least expect them? Where are the great things of God happening behind the scenes? Just ask Mary. Just ask Joseph. Just ask the people of Bethlehem. Can you imagine being a person in Bethlehem? You have no idea. You are clueless that God just came to your town. Usually if the president's coming to your town in a parade, you probably know about it and there's secret service and you plan for days in advance. Imagine being a citizen of the town of Bethlehem. You have no idea. If you're not careful, well, you might have missed it. You might have missed it. God says your life is anything but ordinary, so step into it. Who is in your life? What circumstances do you find yourself surrounded with today? And start by asking God, what would you have me do here And more importantly, God, who would you have me be? Who would you have me become? I love, I love, I love how Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. This is up on the screens. Let's read this together, if you can read it. Therefore, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. I love that translation. Paul says, I beg you. Very rare in scripture does Paul say, I beg of you anything. Paul says, I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling. Each of us has been called by God today, and it's not to live for ourselves. It's not to list off of a list of excuses. It's not to live small. If you are in Christ today, you have been set free from whatever might be dragging you down and those burdens and those wounds that you're carrying from the past. You have been set free from those, and God says it is for freedom that you have been set free, not to lollygag around and say, oh, well, this happened, and make a bunch of excuses. You've also been set free, and if you are in Christ today, if you are a Christian, which means in Christ, you have been set free and propelled into the future, into today, to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God says, don't live small anymore. If the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, great things are possible for you. And God is going to take care of of you. What if God had far different plans for Mary than to be an ordinary peasant girl fetching water and tending to the fields her whole life, instead to carry the Son of God in her belly? What might happen if we let this unconventional God invade our ordinary world? But here's the thing. Here's where we come against some resistance. When we start walking out our callings, and maybe you found this, If you start to listen to God's voice and you start to be obedient to what God is calling you to do in your life, when we start to be obedient, we're going to face trials. We're going to have fear and doubt and and we're going to hear lies from the evil one. We're going to have setbacks. Jesus even told us. 
He said straight up, in this world, you're going to have trouble. The gospel, the good news, the gospel today is not become a follower of Jesus Christ and then everything is going to go well in your life. Amen? That is not the gospel. <laughs> that is not the gospel. The gospel is you get Jesus and he is enough. That's the gospel. That Paul says, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's the gospel. And that you don't have to earn it. That Jesus Christ died on that cross and offers you eternal life. Jesus says, you're going to have trouble if you start living out your calling. The plan that God has for your life is not something, obviously, you've probably figured this out. That calling that God places on your life is not something that he just goes, boom, and just rolls it out. Like if I had a large rug and I just went, whoosh, and it went to the wall, and he says, this is the timeline of your life. This is who you're going to marry. This is when you're going to get married. This is when you're going to have kids. This is when they're going to move out, right? And it just goes on and on and on and on. This is where you're going to live. This is what job you're going to get. Wouldn't it be nice if life was like that? But then it wouldn't be an adventure, wouldn't it? Then it wouldn't be worth Living, the callings that we receive in our lives are usually one step at a time. One step of obedience at a time. The callings we receive in our life call us to, and here's the key, walk by faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, walk by faith. Walk by faith. That's what they call us to do. Scripture is full of God's people walking by faith. Back to Mary's story. So here's Mary, she's going on with her ordinary life, and one day an angel comes along and says, oh yeah, Mary, you're about to get engaged, but you're not engaged, but now you're pregnant, and you need to go explain that to Joseph. God, I'm going to need some faith on this one. To understand how truly unconventional this story is, we've got to understand the, 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 the values and the cultural, the cultural values of this time. Verse 27, the word virgin and with child usually don't go in the same sentence, right? Except with God, because he's unconventional. In fact, a girl in Mary's age becoming pregnant outside of wedlock in this small town of Nazareth, is anybody from a small town? How fast does word spread, right? If Aunt Betty falls down and skins her knee, it's probably on the front page of the newspaper, isn't it? Like, word travels fast. Nazareth is a very small town, and if a 15-year-old girl gets pregnant, and it's not from the guy that she's supposed to marry, I think that's going to get around town, isn't it? That would have been flat-out scandalous. Who is this God? Who is this unconventional God? This, this is punishable by stoning God created a Christmas story where a virgin is going to get stoned to death. Merry Christmas. Who is this God? What's going on here? And I just, I don't know, this just came to mind. Remember the adulterous woman that comes to Jesus? She's going to get stoned for the same thing that Jesus' own mother was going to get stoned for. Huh. Amazing how the story fits together. So maybe when Jesus saw the woman caught in adultery, he said, that's kind of like my mom. Or at least we thought. Put yourself in Mary's shoes. You've strived to live a pure life uh, your whole life, and now you have to convince your future husband and the whole town that God is actually the father of my child, right? To go down to Mercy and tell one of the doctors that. God just, boom, there it is, you know? 
What is this God up to? He's, what he's doing is that he's calling her to live by faith. Mary can't live out her calling unless she has an intimate, personal relationship with God. I wonder if for Mary, every time she felt the baby kick inside of her, it was God's little reminder to her that he is with her, that he is closer to her than she could ever imagine. And I wonder if it's the same for us. Because we, just like Mary, we, we wrestle with what God's up to in our lives. In fact, I, I love the authentic questioning of Mary's heart. Verse 34, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Okay, God, Mary, Mary says, I, I really want to trust you with this, but it just doesn't make sense. Ever had something in your life that just doesn't make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't get it. Mary says. I don't get it. And I love Mary's willingness to wrestle. And, and what if we believe that God was big enough to handle our questions? Do you know what I love more than anything else? And you might think this is really weird. Before and after worship, so I'm getting around and having conversations with as many of you as I can. You know what I, the conversation I love the most? Hey, how's it? You know, I'll come up to somebody. Hey, how's it going? So glad you're here this morning. And your response is, ah, Okay. Not so good. And here's why I love that. Not because you're having a bad day. I love it because you're real. And if you can't be real here, where can you do that? Mary sets the example. She, how can this be? Is there room for, for questioning in your life? Doubt is not the opposite of faith. We can have faith and have lots of doubts. And God says, bring it. God says, bring it. I can handle it. I can handle it. I think we've all asked that question at one time or another. Think on that. How will this be? <laughs> How can this be? Think about it for a second. I'm so, I'm so tired of being turned down by employers time and time again. God, I know that you've called me to use my gifts, but I just can't find a job. How can this be? God, you know the desire of my heart is to find a life partner. You know that the desire of my heart is to find that man or that woman to spend the rest of my life with, but it just hasn't happened yet. How can this be? God, what, what about those mistakes that I made in high school? Those mistakes I made in college, and I, I've been carrying them with me for 10, 15 20 years, and all I can think is, I am so dirty. I am so ruined inside. And God, you say you can put me back together? How can this be? How can this be? And in response, there's two things that I'll close with. The angel says to Mary that I believe that God longs for every single one of us to hear today. First from verse 28, he says, the Lord is with you. God wants you to know today that he is closer to you than you could ever imagine, that he is as close to you as he was to Mary. And he wants you to know today that he is intimately involved with every hurt, with every tear, with every frustration, every doubt, every fear, every unanswered question. He is with you. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ today is that you got to know, you got to know that there is nothing beyond fixing. 
There is nothing beyond his saving or his redeeming in your life. The truth that pours from these stories that you hold in front of you today time and time again is that these followers of God carried on even in the face of fear and even in the face of trials. And it's because of this second promise that the angel gave to Mary that day. And let's read this together. This is the second promise. He says this. Let's read it. No word from God will ever fail. Or as some translations have it, nothing is impossible with God. Now, does that mean that it'll always happen in the way that we want or expect? No. It means that in those moments and in those days, in those months, in those years when nothing seems to be going right, we know that God's faithfulness is more than enough for anything that might come our way. Looking back on this story, I can only imagine if Mary and Joseph were standing here today, they would say, oh, oh, Hope Des Moines, we were so afraid. We were so scared. But one thing is certain for them and one thing is certain for you today. Never, never, never did he leave us. Never did he leave us. Even though we couldn't always understand what God was up to in our lives, we kept the faith and we received the greatest gift ever. And so if you missed any of this story today, I thought we would end with Luke chapter 1, told from a slightly different perspective. Some of you are addicted to this thing called Facebook. And have you ever wondered, what would it be like if Mary and Joseph had Facebook? Well, watch closely and watch Mary and Joseph push through the fear, keep the faith, and experience the joy. Let's take a look. Just like that, right? You probably will never look at Facebook the same. But it's my deeper hope today that you will never look at this God the same. Don't let the Christmas story just be an old fairy tale. This is a God that promises to show up in your ordinary life and to be that same unconventional God who is so unconventional that to show you just how much he loves you, he sent his one and only son to live, to die, and to rise again so that you would never, never settle for an ordinary life. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together.